the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, new focus on wealth with certified financial planner Chad Burton. Drawing from his 28-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New focus on wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome into the show. I am your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you have a money question for the show, shoot me an email, chad at chadburton.com. I'm kind of behind on a few of them just because it's the year end, lots of planning this year for taxes and portfolio issues and IRA to Roth conversion. So it's been a busy year to say the least. Um, probably next show I'll do a, a show all on emails and catch up on your questions. So don't be shy. Shoot me an email chat at chadburton.com. But what I want to talk about today is, is two of the hotter topics that have been written about in financial media. One is questioning, is the 60-40 portfolio dead? Is the 60-40 portfolio dead? And that's the one where it's okay, you get a, you go into retirement, you typically have a balanced portfolio, 60% stocks, 40% bonds, and that tends to work out pretty good for people. But this year it hasn't. So is it dead? Is it no longer a thing? And it's stemming from both stocks and bonds being down in the same year. And this is not the first time it's happened. The S&P 500, after this uh, recent, uh, we've, you know, it, it's, it's definitely off its lows, but it's down 16% for the year. The bond market is way off its lows, but still down 11.6% for the year. If you look at AGG, which is an ETF that tracks the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index. So that question is typically... In the way that a lot of times people will explain portfolios to investors is, well, it's like the, you know, an engine in a car. There's always one piston going up and one piston going down. And so it offsets each other, right? Well, sometimes stocks and bonds go down together, especially when you are, you've gone through a pretty big rally and interest rates are really, really low from all the stimulation. Inflation picks up. The Federal Reserve has to raise rates. Costs for corporations go up. That means earnings go down. At the same time, interest rates go up, bonds go down. So the second topic that's been written a a lot about, it goes hand in hand, is the order of stock market returns. So what's that mean? The order of stock market returns doesn't make a difference at all when you're building wealth. You can, you know, timing the market when you're younger does not matter at all. It's a stupid game to try to go all in and all out. You just try to invest more when the market dips because look, the stocks, the stock market tends to average 10 to 11%. When you look at 15 to 20 year periods over time, the average annual return tends to be 10 to 11%. Even over the last 50 years, and we've had a lot of weird things happen in the last 50 years. And I have no reason to believe that it's not going to happen the same way over the next 20 years. 
But the way that those returns come, it's kind of like fits and starts. And oftentimes when you see the stock market have a really good year, the majority of the return tends to come in one or two quarters. It's not a, it's not a, a linear straight up on a month by month basis. Very rarely does that happen. Now, this year, the S&P 500 is down 16%. That's the total return if you include the dividends. But look, the three-year return of the S&P 500 is still up 31%. The five-year return of the S&P 500 is up 63%. But financial media have, a, you know, have everybody feeling like uh, all of their money is gone. That's just not the case. We rallied too much in 2021 and gave it back in 2022. Essentially, the recession that was expected in 2020 with COVID is kind of coming now, right? All of it's coming to fruition as the feds are trying to basically reverse course of what the government did, which is overstimulate. So the problem is, is, is that for those that are retiring or in retirement, doesn't matter if you're building wealth. If you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, even 50s, just continue to buy your diversified portfolio. The stock market will treat you very well over time. But if you're, we're about to retire this year and you are fully invested and you had no cash, or if you're retired and you were selling on your portfolio to live during that huge correction that we had during COVID, or if you're selling out of your portfolio this year to live while stocks and bonds are down, you're going to affect your return for the rest of your life. And you need to find ways to avoid that. You need a better withdrawal strategy. That's the order of stock market return risk. When do the good returns come? And it's, it's, it's almost worse to have good returns happen in the beginning of your retirement and really bad returns happen at the end of your retirement when you're drawing the most out because you're, you've essentially doubled your withdrawal rate every 18 to 20 years because of inflation. So as we talk about this, the first thing I want to point out is that a little over 28 years ago when I got into the business, the traditional retirement portfolio was 40-60, not 60-40. It was 40% stocks, 60% bonds. Because back then in 1993, the 10-year treasury rate was 5.87%. 5.87%. It started this year at about 1.5% and got over 4% for a little while. And now is, is down again. Bond markets had a bit of a rally in the last few weeks. And so back then, the you know, 10-year treasury rate at 5.87%, that means you could invest in corporate bonds at an even higher rate of return, so there was more competition for stocks. And what's nice about a bond is if you buy a bond individually and you hold it till maturity, no matter what the price of that bond is doing on your statement, you're going to get your money back typically, um, if, unless you bought it at a premium, and then you'll have a little bit less that you get back. But that's, that's a whole different education series on how bonds work. But long story short, you could get a lot more money from CDs and bonds back then. Now, the 10-year treasury rate jumped to 7.09% in 1994. So, again, that's why people used to invest a lot more in bonds than they did over the last several years, which essentially started during the Great Recession, where, the, where 2006 and seven they started raising rates to slow the economy. Then we had the credit crisis and you know, had a, a very harsh you know, three-year decline in the 
or two-year decline in the stock market, but very painful where the financial system had a huge issue. And so the Federal Reserve came in, you know, dropped interest rates. There was a whole bunch of bond buying. I mean, essentially, interest rates have been held artificially low since 2009. All right. So th- that's why people are questioning the return as, as, as bond income went really, really low. As soon as it turns around, it's an inverse situation where if, as interest rates go up, the value of old bonds fall on paper. So that's why when you're looking at a traditional 60-40 portfolio, you can look at like Vanguard Balanced Indexed Fund, VBIAX is a symbol. This is not a recommendation. It's just a traditional 60-40 portfolio um, of U.S. large cap and, and bonds. It's down 15% for the year. Now, what's a traditional 60-40? Because that one's pretty much just U.S.-based. A traditional 60-40 portfolio, in my mind, and again, this is not a recommendation, consult a broker advisor before taking any action. This is just an example so I can explain what I'm talking about. What is a 60-40 portfolio and why are people saying it's dead? 60% in stocks, you typically have around 36% in large cap, 9% in small and mid cap, 15% in international stocks, and then 40% in bonds. You know, hopefully I did the math right there as I you know, prep for the show at 5 a.m. in the morning, but <laughs> that's the traditional 60-40, right? Now, again, that's, that's kind of a situation where a portfolio like that um, should have fared better than like VBIAX because small cap values done much better than large cap growth, large cap values done much better than large cap growth. And so there's, 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 Hopefully, return on a 60-40 portfolio is better than that. But it's still negative for the year. Now, the 60-40 portfolio is not dead. It just needed commodities this year. So your portfolio should have been something more like 36% large cap, 9% small and mid cap, 15% international, 35% bonds, 5% commodities and alternatives. Commodities, what is that? Now, commodities can be anything from precious metals to soybeans to wheat pork bellies. There's there's index and and commodities funds out there. And there's two great ways to fight inflation. And sometimes three. Stocks are the best way to fight inflation over the long run. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass. Or the wait, I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirado Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiradopass.com. So explain the basic construction of a 60-40 portfolio. Some of the moves that you know probably should have been made in a basic 60-40 portfolio is reduction of fixed income and addition of alternatives, things like commodities, um, reduction in international uh, although international will start to become very attractive. The valuations overseas are attractive. You obviously just have a, a war raging there. But when the dollar is very, very strong against other currencies and starts to come down, that's when international stocks really start to rally. So you kind of keep an eye on the dollar. But the idea here is that if you look at a portfolio, and something like uh, a Vanguard Balanced Index Fund, VBIAX, is yielding between dividends and interest somewhere around 25 2.75%. So, so 
you know, that on, if you had a $2 million balanced portfolio, that might be yielding about $50,000 of income from dividends from stocks and interest from bonds. That's income that you can take and spend regardless of where the market is. But let's say you're needing to spend a hundred grand a year out of your portfolio. You're going to be selling $50,000 if you're retired from either stocks or bonds that are down and locking in those losses. And that's a problem. So if we look at the the portfolio surgically and you say, okay, well, I'm not investing in just a fund. I have different ETFs or stocks or mutual funds. Energy, in terms of oil companies and things like that, up 56% for the year. Consumer staple stocks, that's stuff you need in any economy, good or bad, up 4.5%. Utility stocks are about flat. And commodities are positive by double digits. So there are some places to trim growth to replenish some of the cash that you've spent if you had it. But this is why I talk about, and, and I've been on radio doing this stuff with Rob Black since 1999, prior to the major tech correction. This is why I talk about the order of returns, setting up a very specific distribution strategy five years prior to going into retirement, because you have to realize that these situations come every seven years or so. And as long as you have enough dividends and interest from your portfolio and safe money to live off of, and you can avoid selling stocks or bonds when they're down, they will come back. And sometimes it's very quickly, like during that COVID correction in 2020. And sometimes it takes a long time, like from the top of the stock market of 2007 um, down to the bottom. So October 2007 to March of 2009. And it took late 2010 for a balanced portfolio to recover in the stock market around 2012, I believe it was. And so you have to have a plan in place so you know how you're going to deal with those rough periods because you're going to go through them four to five times in retirement at a minimum. And if you can focus on, yes, I have a plan when things go bad and then still have that positive attitude, the stock market will take good care of me over time between growth of the share price and dividends from the stocks. Again, a dividend from a stock. If you're a shareholder and a company has you know, turns a profit, they send on a quarterly basis in most cases a little bit of profit to the shareholders. And so a lot of stocks in the S&P 500 yield anywhere from you know half a percent to like Cisco at 3.08%. Usually you have a little bit higher income yield on stocks that are not growing as quickly anymore. And so I'm not an investor that just invests for dividends. I like growth and income, growth and income. And uh, that's a really good way to invest in the long run. So this year, if you're trying to say, okay, the market's down and I can spend my dividends and interest from my portfolio, but now I've got to figure out how to you know, create some more cash. Really, the places to look to trim might be energy, consumer staples, utilities, and commodities. And look, I, I, I will tell you that in a situation like this, the news is likely to get worse before it gets better. The weirdest thing is now is that the consensus is recession, rough 2023, federal have to reverse course and late 2023, 2024, start dropping rates again. I mean, everybody is saying the same thing. And when everybody says the same thing, it's like something different's going to happen. <laughs> it's just too many people are now saying the same thing that we've been talking about on radio for the last, I don't know, six, 12 months. 
So just be aware of that. And if you have a good distribution strategy, and, and, and this, a distribution strategy has to do with, okay, how do I get through rough economies like we're having now? Uh, what And what's the tax, what's the best way to handle this tax-wise? So I will tell you right now, if you are paying an advisor 1% to 2% to manage a portfolio of mutual funds and ETFs, and they're not talking to you about order of stock market returns, withdrawal strategies, how much safe money you have, how much you should be converting from an IRA to a Roth, your estate plan, your overall tax plan, you're basically paying for nothing. That, that part is easy. It's so much easier now than when I got in the business in 1993 because of technology and software that alerts us when asset allocation is out of whack, when certain sectors are out of whack, when we need to rebalance between stocks and bonds, um, being able to analyze different stocks, mutual funds, and exchange-traded funds. It's, it's so much easier now. The, the value that we add is to create these types of plans. Now, let me give you an example of the order of stock market returns. And those of you that uh, were able to attend the event that Rob Black and I did in uh, Palo Alto a couple weeks ago, and for those listening to the podcast, this is a December 7th show. Um, I, I give this example um, at almost every event that I do because you got to realize when I was 19 years old and 1993 getting into the business, I was majoring in engineering and math. And I love the market. I love the business. I just hated the sales that were going on in, the, in, in my industry back then. Um, it just, to me, everything is just math, right? And when you're building wealth and investing, again, the math, it's the, the timing of the market doesn't matter. But when you're drawing from your portfolio, timing the market does matter, meaning you have to have a plan to not withdraw funds when the market is down. Because when the market's down, it's paper losses until you panic and sell or until uh, you have to sell just to pay your expenses. Now, I'm not saying buy and hold blindly. You got to pay attention to the portfolio. You got to rebalance and, and figure out when when it's a growth economy and when it's you got to be a little bit more careful and be a more value-based investor. But going all in and all out is a fool's game. And also doing what's called reverse dollar cost averaging is a fool's game in my opinion. Now, what does dollar cost averaging mean? It means this is what you guys all do with your 401k every two weeks. You average into the market. And for some reason, the industry called it dollar cost averaging. What's the average cost of a dollar? I don't know. A dollar? It's a stupid term. It, it, it really makes little sense. Just like nest egg doesn't make any sense. That's a, a weird term. Maybe it's because I'm too visual of a person. But um, that's what it is. Averaging in or averaging out. So averaging in makes a ton of sense. You just buy every two weeks in your 401k and you systematically invest. And I've seen a ton of wealth being built through systematic investing in the stock market, owning a business. Hi, this is Chad Burton. If you have questions about retirement and investing, it's time to get some answers. My website, chadburton.com, has a ton of resources. There are downloads to help you determine how long your money will last in retirement, links to our webinars, and several videos discussing everything from retirement planning to tax-efficient investing, estate planning, insurance, and even saving for your kid's college. While you're there, also check out our tax planning and estate planning services and our video explaining our online wealth management tool. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. This invaluable resource is able to show the values and allocations of all your accounts regardless of where they're held. 
Information is updated each day at the end of market close, and these new numbers are fed into the financial projections we've created for our clients with the goal of constant financial clarity. You can find links to the podcast at chadburton.com, and please like my Facebook page, New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. All right, let me talk about the example that I use at the retirement and tax planning events that I do with Rob Black on the order of stock market returns. And so what I start with is when averaging out of a portfolio actually works. So I give this example of a person, and and keep in mind back then it was 40% stock, 60% bonds. So 40% US stock market, uh, 60% or 40% US stock market, kind of a blend between when the Dow's there and the S&P 500, and then 60% in US bonds. And this couple starts at retirement in 1970 with $500,000. And they want to withdraw 5% a year. That's 25 grand a year. And inflation was higher back then. So their goal was to increase their withdrawals annually by 4%. And so if we use the returns from 1970 to 2008 in this example, by then they actually ended up with $4 million after 38 years. $4 $4 million being left to their heirs. They started with 500000 They took their withdrawals that they wanted, increased it each year with inflation, and left $4 million portfolio to their kids. Now, let's think about what happened back then. In 1970s, it was a little bit of a rough market. Um, 1973 and 74, for example, the stock market was down 40% between those two years, but the next two years, it was up 60 and recovered. And um, then the, the 80s had a period of rough time, like 81, 82, when the Federal Reserve was trying to fight inflation again. I mean, we're talking inflation even uh, you know higher than what we've had. And it was stagflation. There's a really bad job market. Right now, we have still a good job market. And then all of a sudden, the stock market took off. We had a basically a, a run in the stock market for the majority of the 80s all the way up until 1999. So as their withdrawals were getting larger and larger with inflation, the stock market was just crushing it. It had The stock market had the first three-year-in-a-row decline since the 30s in 2000, 2001, and 2002. Most of that was a tech correction. You had real estate and small cap value and things like that still up. And and so, and then we're back off to the races again until October 2007. So that's, that's the, the market. It was like a rough period in the market right as they retired. But as they were drawing more, the market was crushing it and made up the difference. Now, let's look at a situation where if we take the order of those stock and bond market returns and we just flip them where the good years come first and the bad years come later in life. It's a reverse image. In that scenario, they start drawing $500,000, grand a year, growing at 4% inflation. They're dead broke after 32 years. Dead broke after 32 years versus $4 million. And that's just math, people. That is the order of stock market return risk. And the, the issue is, is that it's so easy to fight the order of stock market returns. It's so easy to set up a plan once you understand the math behind it. And I don't think most advisors do. Most advisors aren't telling you have three years worth of portfolio draws and safe, safe money. The great thing about what I always tell you about, have three years worth of portfolio, not expenses, that's too high. Three years worth of portfolio draws. 
That is, here's my income needs, including taxes, healthcare costs, you know, fun, all my expenses, minus my social security, minus some dividends and interest in my taxable accounts, minus, uh, you know, dependable rental properties, pension, what's left over to draw from your portfolio. You need three years worth of that and save money. And the good thing is, is now you can get a return on your safe money. Most online FDIC insured banks that you can tie to your checking account are paying three to 3.75% fully liquid. 26 to 52 week to two year treasuries from the government are near close or over slightly over 4%. So you can actually get a return on your safe money now. The last few years we hadn't been able to. So I just, the going in blindly and just reversing out of a portfolio where this person that had you invest in a series of, you know, bucket of mutual funds just turns on the tap and withdraws a flat amount out each year is a lazy way to do business. Now, William Meyer and William uh, Reichenstein wrote an article in the Financial Advisor magazine that gives very specific examples of outcomes of this and different withdrawal strategies. There's conventional wisdom strategy. There's proportional strategy. There's multiple accounts using average tax rate strategy and multiple um, and then uh, optimal withdrawal approach. Let me, so let me go over them real quick. Conventional wisdom strategy. This is, I, I kind of joke about this, but this is what I've kind of heard. Uh, I don't know if she's saying it anymore. So I heard a lot of financial media out there talk about this is is in in that type of a strategy, you withdraw for spending one account at a time. So first you take out your, you spend your taxable accounts and letting your IRAs and 401ks grow tax deferred as long as possible. So then you spend your tax deferred accounts and then your tax exempt accounts, which would be like your cash and things like that. The problem with that strategy is once you turn 72, you have to start taking required minimum distributions. And, and if you've spent all of your taxable money and you need a large withdrawal to fix your home, put a new roof on, um, you know, buy a car, then every time you're taking a withdrawal from your IRA or 401k, you're paying a huge tax bill and screwing up your tax brackets. So that is not a good strategy. It's a terrible strategy. There's the proportional strategy where each year you create a ratio of you know, here's how much I have in taxable accounts. That's non-retirement accounts. Here's how much I have in retirement accounts. And you create a ratio that you think will work. Like, okay, I'm going to take 40% out of my taxable accounts, 60% out of my retirement accounts every year, and that'll get me at about an even bracket. That's a little bit better approach. Then there's the approach using multiple accounts using an average tax rate. So in that situation, you've done a careful financial plan. You can run a cash flow report, which all of our clients can on their website. They can run a cash flow report and see how much their annual tax bill is going to be projected to be in the future. And we can see over time what your effective bracket is, state and federal, as a percentage of your, your income. And we can average that out. We can, we can say, okay, this is the average that we see if we do the conventional wisdom, you know, it's a very low tax bracket. And then once you're 72, <clears throat> excuse me, once you're 72, your taxes go way up because of required minimum distributions, having to pull money out of your IRAs and 401ks or three Bs and things like that. So you, you average that out and you create a multiple withdrawal strategy so that you blend and, and kind of 
blend your taxes over time. What's interesting about retirement planning and distribution planning is that you have to go from when you're accumulating wealth, everybody's like, how do I pay the least amount of taxes this year? To a mindset of how do I pay the least amount of taxes over 35 plus years as I'm drawing this money out? And sometimes that creates a situation where you got to bite the bullet and pay a little bit more taxes than you need to upfront so that you can enjoy a much better tax situation in the future. The multiple accounts to tax bracket option of withdrawing retirement is in that situation, that's where they withdraw from tax deferred accounts and then other accounts each year to cover spending while hitting the top of a chosen tax bracket. So as you're aware, you have to have a very detailed financial plan and cash flow analysis that shows you where your bracket's likely going to be each and every year. So you can find out what your blended rate is. And again, your bracket from the date of retirement to 72 can be kept very, very low, but then it'll jump after age 72. So you need to know the average rate. And what that means is the top of the chosen bracket, the way the taxes work is that first of all, there's a capital gains tax bracket. And then there's an ordinary income tax bracket. Ordinary income tax bracket affects the capital gains bracket. So it's a complicated situation. But to give you an idea, there's a 0, 10, 12, and 22, and 24%, and so on forth income tax bracket. So your, do- your taxable dollars go through different brackets. Some of your money, if you're single, between 10 and 41 grand is at 12%. Between 41 grand and 89 grand, those taxes are at 22%. And so what you're trying to do is if you look at your your portfolio in retirement and you're before age 72 and you realize after age 72, you're going to be at a 22% bracket and you have some room left now, you might start doing withdrawals to fill up either the 12 or 22% bracket. If you're married filing jointly, the 12% bracket is from 20 grand to 83 grand of income. And the 22% bracket is from 83,000 to 178,000. So you're basically looking at the tax brackets and filling up your chosen, chosen tax bracket. Now, the best way to do this is the final one that they talk about, which is the optimal withdrawal level approach. And they write, this is where we use multi-phase withdrawal strategy, where each phase adopts a different withdrawal strategy and different target threshold. In addition, we present a rebalancing approach that uses asset location strategy, which could add significant more value to a client account. And so what this means is you're you're changing it based on, okay, here's the date of retirement. Then there's another date. When do you recommend cha- taking Social Security? Is that age 70? And then when do your required minimum distribution kicks in at 72? There's actually a minimum of three different withdrawal strategies in different phases. And you could arguably say there's a fourth withdrawal strategy, which is much later in life when a person needs a lot of healthcare costs like long-term care and nursing homes, where sometimes you have to increase the withdrawal from IRA accounts to have a high enough taxable income to use up your Medicare medical deductions. All right. We're talking about financial planning in terms of retirement distribution strategy, the investment, the portfolio side, that's the easy side. The withdrawal strategy, the tax planning, the estate planning, that's where you get the value out of the portfolio management fees that you should be, um, and if you're paying them, you should be getting the value anyway. So we were talking about this optimal withdrawal strategy where there's, there's, little, there's, there's different withdrawal strategies, especially with people that retire younger. Let's say you're retiring when you're 60. 
you have a couple of different things going on. You have between 60 and 65, your healthcare costs are on your own. So what you do with your taxes can affect your premium credits that you can get when you have to buy your insurance on your own for covered California. Then at age 65, you get on Medicare Part B, and those premiums are affected by your taxable income. And then you take Social Security. Typically, for most people, 85% of your Social Security is taxable. So that's another situation. And then at age 72, you have to start taking money out of your IRAs, 401ks, 403bs. Even if you don't want to, you have to. And that's all taxable income. And there's a lot of different tax strategies. Like if people are gifting to their favorite church or charity every year, how do they do that? Well, prior to age 70 and a half, you're typically wanting to do that by gifting appreciated stock. After age 70 and a half, you can do it right out of your IRAs and avoid paying the taxes on that money. Lots of different situations there. There's different withdrawal strategies. What are you doing from the date of retirement to 65? From 65 to the date you're taking Social Security. From the date of Social Security to age 72. Optimal withdrawal. Uh, uh, variable, Varying withdrawal strategies. In all of those scenarios, you have to say, how much am I going to need to take from my portfolio over and above my dividends, interest, Social Security, pension, things like that? Three years worth of that should be and save money. You even have to look out to age 72 once you start taking your required minimum distributions. And let's say you have to pull 40 grand a year out of your IRA account, but your IRA account is only generating about 20 grand in dividends and interest. Well, guess what? You might need some safe money inside of your IRA account so that it's there when you need to draw it. If you're dependent on spending those required minimum distributions, you can buy things like T-notes and T-bills and CDs and things like that in your IRA at Fidelity, Schwab, TD Ameritrade. It's available in there. And you should think about that if you are going to depend on the money. So we talked about the tax bracket approach too. And some of the your IRA to Roth conversion strategy has to be noted as well. Because when you first retire, especially before Social Security, you can keep your tax bracket extremely low. And if you're living off of your cash... That's not taxable income, right? So if you're living off your cash and you have some dividends and interest, that's taxed, some rental income and things like that. Maybe you have this year as a married couple filing jointly, if you do your tax analysis, which everybody should be doing in November, and you're projected to have 60 grand of taxable income, you could take another 23,000 from your IRA and put it into the Roth and still be at a federal bracket of 12%. So you can do 60 to 83,550 is a 12% bracket for a married couple filing jointly. Or maybe your income's higher and your taxable income is at 150,000 right now. Well, there's $28,000 left at the 22% bracket. And if you look at your financial plan and very clearly you're going to see you or your children are going to be at a higher bracket after the age of 72 than 22%, then it's probably worth looking at some conversions. IRA to Roth conversions because I don't know if you noticed, but this is like the lowest tax situation we've had ever since I was in the business 28 years. And it's not like our budget deficits are getting any better. We have an aging population. We have a lot of strain on Social Security and Medicare, especially with the cost of living increase in Social Security. Taxes are going up. Taxes are going up. Taxes have already gone up. Your FICA tax, if you look at what you're paying 
taxes on, on well, your FICA tax, which is your social security tax. It funds social security. What is it over? You know, it's like on first 160 grand of income or so. Just a few years ago, it was on the first 109,000 of income. So taxes are creeping up there already. And then everything that we got in terms of a tax cut in 2017 is automatically expiring in 2026. So you have to do careful tax planning. And it's also a matter of not only tax planning in terms of which accounts do you draw from, but also which accounts do you hold which types of asset classes. Because you have a certain pie chart. Let's say you're going for that 60-40 portfolio that I mentioned at the top of the show, where it's something like, and this is not a recommendation, consult a broker advisor before taking any action, but let's say it's like 36% large cap, 9% small and mid cap, 15% international, 35% bonds, 5% commodities and alternatives. Um, and you're trying to go for that type of an asset allocation across your entire household. Well, your taxable, your non-retirement accounts should likely hold the majority of large cap, maybe some mid cap and tax-free municipal bonds. And then your retirement accounts should hold your small cap, international, corporate bonds, commodities, and other alternatives in most cases. And um, that's asset location. So there's asset allocation, there's asset location. So in this article, Financial Advisor Magazine, which gets pretty technical, the approach that they used, which is the optimal withdrawal level approach, where you're multi-phasing your withdrawal strategy, they looked at this $2.25 million portfolio for a couple, they call an affluent couple. And when they compared that with conventional wisdom withdrawal strategy, which is just averaging right back out, so when compared with the conventional wisdom withdrawal strategy with account level rebalancing, the multi-phase withdrawal strategy added $1,036,323,000 in after-tax alpha over that lifetime of that client. By adding the household level rebalancing with asset location strategy, we garnered another $479,037 for a total after-tax alpha of $1,505,360. This is stuff that you can't see on your average annual return. So a lot of people judge their financial advisor based on what's my return look like net of fees versus the S&P 500. The way that you properly judge a financial advisor is, yeah, you look at the portfolio, net of fees, how did it return versus the proper indexes, which is a blend of S&P 500, the Russell, which is small and mid-cap, international emerging markets, municipal bonds, corporate bonds. But are you getting value? Are you getting tax planning? Are you getting estate planning? Are they having conversations before the end of the year about taxes instead of after the end of the year when it's too late? Are they talking about how to withdraw from a portfolio in good markets versus bad markets in a different phase of life? That's what you should be getting out of financial planning. If you need some help with that, just go to chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. We have a team of over 80 certified financial planners, CFAs on the portfolio side, tax advisors, attorneys. We've got it all. Full Wealth Management, EP Wealth. Just go to chadburton.com. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.